And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And as we continue the month of February without guys here, it is uh, just one guy and one gal. Stan the Fan, along with my producer, Brittany Everett, are here at the studios at Pressbox and PressboxOnline.com. Welcome in to another rousing edition of the Battle Round on this Saturday, the 24th of February. We've got one more week to make, make do without Mr. Heist. And uh, that will be next Saturday, the 3rd. And then after that, he'll be in on the 10th, as best we know. The 17th, he better be here because I won't be here. And then I'll be back in on the 24th with him. And then the baseball season will begin. And um, hopefully Craig will be here uh, the 26 weeks of the baseball season. We figure he'll be here at least 20 or 22 times or something like that. So it'll be much more regular. Um We've got, as I said, a rousing show, and uh, we're just getting started. We'll be here until 12 noon. You can join us at pressboxonline.com slash radio, but if you're already listening, you knew that. But you can also watch us on Facebook Live. Granted, it's not as exciting, Brittany, when Craig is here. He's, he captures people's imagination, you know. Uh, but you can watch us at Facebook Live by going to facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Um, today's program, uh, again, you'll only see me, and you won't even see me doing two interviews because we were able to tape a couple interviews yesterday, Brittany. Uh, we got Orioles Vice President of Baseball Operations, Dan Duquette, will join us right around 11.05, 11.10, and then at about 11.35, Eno Saris, uh, at Eno Saris uh, is his Twitter handle. Eno is an analytics writer, uh, has written extensively for Fangraphs, ESPN, Fox Sports. Anyway, he's now uh, at home at theathletic.com, where Ken Rosenthal is. Um, and they're doing a bang-up job, not only covering the national baseball scene, but they seem to be like Pac-Man, like gobbling up cities uh, they have about eight or nine cities in Canada and about 15 cities in the U.S. So far, Baltimore and Washington are not among their um, coverage map, but I can't imagine that's going to be too long before they do that as well. Any thoughts? I mean, yeah, if they're eating them up like Pac-Man, they're bound to come this way. It sure seems that way. So anyway, we will be joined by Eno Saris who wrote a very interesting piece about Andrew Kashner. We talked to him about Kashner. We talked to him a little bit about Tillman. And we talked to him about Colby Rasmus. Uh, also joining us in between, sandwiched in between Dan Duquette and Eno Saris, is Eric Garfield of the Baltimore Snowball Factory. Uh, Eric is a local Baltimore guy who lives in Sarasota now year-round. He started a snowball company, has the snowball concession at Ed Smith Stadium, and I normally should have thought of having him on last week to tease the Baltimore baseball fans how they could get a snowball at the first game, 
but that first game was yesterday at Ed Smith Stadium. The Orioles were not victorious. They lost 6-3 to to the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays, interestingly enough, had two games yesterday, and they won both of them by a score of 6-3. to They won one in their, in their city where they play, which is Port Charlotte, and they beat the Orioles at Ed Smith Stadium 6-3. to So good day for Tampa. Not so good for the Baltimore Orioles. The one real bright spot, though, was the home run, three-run homer, I think in the eighth inning by uh, Chance Sisko, the Orioles catcher. Orioles did have a rally going in the ninth inning. They had a couple men on, but they didn't get them in, and uh, they will probably be back in action today. I've got to uh, check on that. Now, also, I always do this when Craig's not here. I start talking, and the combination, here we go, hold on. It looks like, there we go. Now I need to share that. I'm, uh, again, challenged. I'm challenged m- multiple ways, though. I'm challenged by my own slowness on working with social media, and I'm also challenged by the slowness of our Internet connection in here, which I get denials from everybody else. But whenever I'm here, it's just absolutely horrible. Is it still – did I share it? Did I like it? I liked it. I'm not sure if the share went through. I guess it did. <coughs> anyway, let's go over the uh, schedule once again. Rich Dubroff will join us in about seven minutes. He'll be on and talk to us about the both the signing of Andrew Kashner, the signing of Chris Tillman, signing of Colby Rasmus, and trying to figure out if Dan Duquette and Brady Anderson are through making acquisitions or whether they've got one more bag in their in their bag of tricks. Uh, we'll see. Marty Conway, good friend of mine who used to work for the Orioles and in, in, ran the promotions department back in the uh, early to mid-'80s. Um, or did he start that early? Actually, I have to ask him. But anyway, Marty has been a veteran of the pro sports world, also worked for AOL for uh, about 20 years, had a lot to do with some of their sports content stuff. He now teaches at Georgetown University as well as consulting with several companies. Um, Marty will talk to us about the business of baseball, uh, and Marty will talk to us at about 1045. Then we'll play that interview with Dan Duquette, and Dan was, um, you know, Dan was, uh, shall we say Dan, A lot of obvious things, not a lot uh, to the imagination. I pressed him for my push for R.A. Dickey uh, acquiring the 43-year-old knuckleballer who hasn't announced his retirement. We're at uh, February 24th, and Dan's comment was something to the effect, well, we don't don't really know what uh, R.A.'s intentions are this year. So that means that to me – that neither he or Buck Showalter apparently have had any communication uh, with a pitcher who I think would be really the perfect fit to round out this rotation, given the financial constraints that the organization works under. Or, And maybe if that's not the right way to phrase it, at least sort of the way that they treat and spend on pitching. Uh, I think R.A. Dickey could probably, if he wants to pitch, be had on a two-year 12 to $15 million contract, which wouldn't break the bank by any means and would give the Orioles a, a guy who could go out there for 30 starts, pitch anywhere from 175 to 200 innings, and 
seven out of nine times he's going to give you uh, a solid enough outing to go six innings. But again, uh, the Orioles don't seem to know what his intentions are, so that means that they have no intention of signing uh, him. Also joining us at about 11.20 will be my young friend, Eric Garfield of the Baltimore Snowball Factory. Um, and Eric used to work on Sportsline on WBAL Radio in Baltimore. Uh, he's moved to Sarasota a few years back and runs a snowball concession down there and does all kinds of events um, and is making his way in that business. Then to close out things, Eno Saris of The Athletic will join us um, on today's program. Again, Craig Heist uh, working over on a TV side of things on Masson and their Nats Talk program. So if you uh, tire of me and want to watch Mr. Heist, you'll be able to see him as well. By the way, I want to just get this out of the way. There's still one more weekend for the Maryland RV Show for you to enjoy. That's today and tomorrow at the Maryland State Fairground in Timonium. It's... 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. today and Sunday from 10 to 6. See all the latest in the world of recreational vehicles at the Maryland RV Show. Plus, you can take $2 off admission and get in for just 8 if you purchase your tickets in advance at mdrv.com. MDRV. Again, today at Timonium Fairgrounds from 10 to 8 and tomorrow from 10 to 6, the last weekend of the Maryland RV show. Are you going to go, Stan? No, I am not going to be able to make it. I have plans this week. If I had known about it earlier, uh, if we had read this last week, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. I would not go to an RV show. My wife, on the other hand, would. But she would not want to drive one but can't understand why I'm not comfortable driving an RV. She wants to, like, hop in one of those things and drive all over, you know, place you sleep in and pull mm -hmm. off to the side. I would be, this is me personally, petrified of driving something that big. I like my Prius, you know. Yeah, I mean, you I've, drive a small car. I drive a small <laughs> car. I mean, I've driven Cadillacs in the past. I've driven Mercedes, driven American big cars. But I like a smaller car, you know. I don't like, like, the smart car. I hope they're not due to be a sponsor in the next segment. <laughs> Those smart cars, they look like if you got tapped in between, you know, like you could really crush, like, a sardine can. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. they don't look safe at all. You know, but I'm, I'm around at the age of 66 now. I was driving today behind a Volkswagen Beetle, you know. That's mm -hmm. what they used to call them they're, because they're shaped like a Beetle. This one had a slightly different look to it, and I was hearkening back to when I used to drive Volkswagens in the old days, you know, that there was a little of that fear, and Volvo was the same way when they first really made it to America, the Swedish car Volvo, but Volvos were built so solidly compared to Volkswagens, but Volkswagen gets a lot of uh, good stuff in consumer uh, reports and all that and I was thinking about the romance of driving a Volkswagen today you know I really back now when I was much younger in the 2022 year you know so I this is 1975 76 always wanted a Volkswagen bus now that was about as big as I would have liked I kind of liked 
being up and driving up a little higher. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting how life evolves. I ended up a small car person. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Orioles did make some news over the last eight or nine days, um, making two signings for their pitching staff and their starting rotation. Uh, more specifically, they signed a veteran Andrew Kashner, um, formerly of the San Diego Padres and last year, the Texas Rangers. Uh, he was originally a Cubs prospect, and this is how, it's very interesting, he was highly enough thought of that the San Diego Ball Club traded the Cubs, Anthony Rizzo, in, in a deal to get Andrew Kashner. Uh, how'd that trade work out for San Diego? Uh, not really well, because Andrew Kashner in his four and a half, five years with San Diego was about 32 and 53, something like that, because his record now, I think, is 42 and 65. That's not necessarily indicative of how decent a pitcher he can be. Uh, last year in the American League, pitching in a uh, hitter-friendly park out there in Arlington, Texas, the ballpark at Arlington, uh, he was 11-11 for the season and had a 3.4 ERA. Now, as we talk later in the program with Eno Saris, um, there's some there's a little bit of red flags about the fact that that Andrew Kashner has never been quite the pitcher that his fastball says he should be. Uh, he averages in the top 15, 17 percent of fastball pitchers. But because he doesn't really release the ball, he releases up here closer to his head than following through or jumping through to extend out and be closer to home plate. might seem like, well, that's a millisecond, but that's what you're talking about. If he's releasing sooner than certain pitchers, and the ones he used were Tim Lynchicum, and he uh, you know, talks about another pitcher, at their prime, they kind of hop to the plate and release out further. That's a big difference to the hitter having this much more time to see the ball and decide where it's going to be, lay off of it, or see the, see the zone it's in. So uh, we'll talk to Eno later on in the program, but we'll talk to Rich Dubrov about the acquisition of Andrew Kashner and also the acquisition of veteran pitcher Chris Tillman, who has been a, a hallmark uh, or a stalwart of the Orioles' starting rotation since midway point of their first playoff season 2012 in this most recent run under Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter. Uh, Tillman signs a contract of about $3 million with $7 million in incentives that are reachable, I would think, if he's healthy. And that's with the with the question with Tillman is was last year a total outlier because of the shoulder problems he developed in the 2016 season that they were lingering. If those are behind him, I think some of these, maybe not all of them, but these incentives can get him up to eight to ten million dollars. Joining us now is the man who gets uh, to spend six weeks uh, down in Sarasota every uh, spring. He covers the Orioles for us at PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com, and he's kind enough to join us quite often. That's Rich Dubroff. Rich, how are you? 
I'm great, Stan. How are you doing? Good. How's First of all, let's talk about something uh, people up here are jealous of, although we had a couple really warm days this week. How's the weather been in Sarasota your first 10 days or so? Ideal. It has been terrific. Uh, I've not had long sleeves or a jacket on the whole time. Have you been putting? Have you uh, been except putting? When I, except when I arrived, temperature hasn't been below sixty uh, for any at any time. Are and you, so it's been. Then we haven't had any. We haven't had any rain, and the the long term forecast for the next two weeks is pretty good. It's going to supposedly be be a little cooler. I might be breaking out a jacket at night, uh, you know, a couple of times next week. But uh, weather's been great. Are you breaking out your sunscreen? Are you a uh, sunscreen? Uh, my son block. Your son block. Yes. yes. Go ahead. Yes. What I'm what a, what number son, do you uh, use? Thirty. Seven. I use actually seventy. Seventy. Okay. You're you're yeah, a believer. Uh, in that, I'm not so. an expert on that stuff, but I try and uh, I tr- I try and take care of myself. Though my doctor tells me that you need uh, a half hour every day of unprotected. Uh, son to get adequate vitamin D. Really? Okay. Well, I take a vitamin D supplement. I'll tell you, it's it's a sad commentary in the times we live in. I really have, the last five to ten years, really get a little nervous. I wear long sleeves more often in the summer than I ever thought imaginable because I just, I'm not religious with my sunscreen or sunblock. So, but I... Well, down here, I'm pretty, down here, I'm pretty religious and, uh, People will uh, people will tell you, you know, you got to. Yep. And you know, when you look at uh, when you when you look at people who spend a lot of time in the sun down here, um, that's uh, quite an incentive to wear it. Yeah, that skin gets like very like alligator looking or snake skin looking. I mean, it's really got crinkles and everything in it. All right, people don't want to hear about that. They want to hear about the Orioles and uh, where they're heading this year. Certainly, I think we'd agree, Rich, that. The prospects of them being a competitive team have been lifted somewhat with the additions of Kashner and Tillman over the last eight or nine days. Right, you are, Stan. I think, uh, and I think that you're wise to uh, you're wise to add the modifier somewhat. Yeah, because uh, in order for them to be a contender, the four starting pitchers that they have now, you know, Bundy, Gosman, Kashner, and Tillman are all going to have to have, you know, have to have their sort of best career years or, you know, what their career years have been. Uh, if that's the case, then they can be a contender. Anything, anything less than that, they're going to struggle. I mean, they basically always said that they needed three really good starters mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, uh, to be fairly competitive. And then you can, you know, then in the fourth and fifth spots, you can, sometimes mix and match but i think because of the team they have now and there are a bunch of areas where they don't have adequate depth uh they're going to need you know they're going to need really good performances from the from the starting pitchers you know it's interesting rich so much has been focused this off season on who would be the numbers three four and five and granted i'm much more optimistic that cashner the 17 version of Tillman and whomever pitches in that five slot will be better than what I termed last night the Troika of Terror last year, which was Miley Jimenez and the 2017 Tillman. Uh, did I understand? And Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy and, and Hellickson, I don't even include because he was there so briefly, but he was, he was, it was a, you're right, it was a quartet of terror. Um, 
But, but you know, I remember last year our February cover, which we usually try and coincide with spring training uh, and the start of baseball. We had Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman, uh, and I think the, the headline was Primed and Ready. And I would say in some fashion, both disappointed. They both showed glimpses of how good they can be, but overall they weren't what they needed to be. And I see where a year later down the road, and I think any chance of real competition still gets back to the two of them and them raising their games to be the pitchers the Orioles kind of need them to be and think they can be. Your comments. Well, I, I think that Bundy was pretty close to, mm-hmm. to being, you know, uh, what he can be. Yep. And Gosman was the second half of the season. But you cannot have a repeat of the 2016 and 17 first half Gosmans and expect the Orioles to, uh, to be a contender. Well, let's, let's deal with Gosman first, and I'll agree with you that Bundy was, I would say, 75%, 80% of the time he was what they need him to be. Uh, Gosman, though, is, continues to be a head-scratcher. Is there anything that he talks about or the pitching coach talks about um, where they have a discernible way to get him off to a better start? Well, he's talked about that he threw. He he started throwing a little bit earlier this year. Okay, um, that's about you know that's about all. Uh, whether that works, I don't you know I don't know. I mean, they don't they they don't sort of tell you exactly the game you know exactly the game plan. They just speak in in sort of generalities <laughs> for the most part. You know, for the most part. Yeah. And I'm sure that you know if he could take what he did in the second half of seventeen and you know, and bottle, and bottle 18, it. He yeah. would, and you know, yeah, maybe put it in with his sunblock uh, and just rub it on. Um, but you know, a lot of also, I think one of the problems, Stan, and I think he has said this was because Tillman was out, and they made him the number one starter, the opening day starter. He admitted he wasn't ready for that, right? And I think that you know, maybe if you have a better Tillman. And uh, you know, and a good Bundy and an acceptable Cashner. Cashner, then that may you know that may well help him. That's a that's an interesting point. There's no question about it. Now, the two acquisitions. Let's get because we both agree that Bundy is is poised uh, to perhaps take that next step and be as close to a one as he can be this year. Um, let's talk about the two additions though, which is one is a you know re-addition of Chris Tillman and Kashner. Your thoughts on Tillman and what, let me ask you first, what took so long to do what we all kind of thought they were going to do all along, but it, at the end there, there were starting to be rumors that the Tigers were offering, the Twins were offering. What took them so long to get to a deal they both both sides wanted? Well, I, it was, you know, it, it, was, it was money. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, Tillman wanted, Tillman knew basically he had the Orioles to fall back on. Right. And he really wanted to return to the, to the Orioles, but he wanted to get the best deal that he could. And the market itself was so slow. Right. That I think it, it you know, that I think it affected him. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we've talked all winter about the, about the slow market and, you know, and, and it's had, you know, it's had effects on seemingly every team and really had, you know, 
huge effects on the on the Orioles. We're talking with Rich Dubroff, who covers the Orioles. He's down in Sarasota for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Also doubling for a couple weeks with BaltimoreBaseball.com. You're their man down there, Dan Connolly's uh, website. Um, you've been writing some interesting stuff for both places. Uh, and uh, I know Dan appreciates your uh, helping them out during the early parts well, that, of spring that, training. Well, that, that will cease shortly for a while because Dan will be down here. Right. Dan will be down here. But uh, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll get plenty of me. I know. We get plenty of you. There's no question about it. Uh, now let's talk about Kashner. Uh, there was all kind. Of, it's very interesting how all the guys that we were sort of attached to seemed to be at that $8 million level. Uh, Kashner, that's what he got from the Orioles. Jason Vargas signed with the Mets for $8 million. Am I leaving somebody else out? Jamie Garcia, I think they were interested in. He got they even were interested a little. in Jaime Garcia. Jaime Garcia, also, yeah. You know, there were also a number of other guys who signed this week that they were kind of linked with. Hector Santiago. Right. Uh, or last week, Drew Hutchison. Uh, you know, there was even some talk uh some talk, some some talk this week about Francisco Liriano, and he who, got a four million dollar uh, contract with the four Tigers. Four million dollars with the Tigers yesterday. Yeah, the one guy that there's no talk about is my guy R. A. Dickey, and I had Dan on yesterday, and I found his his answer um, as as you and I kid around sometimes when we're sitting together at the ballpark. I said, so what do you th- what do you think? I know you don't like to talk about free agents specifically, but couldn't he help? Couldn't he help the team? And wouldn't he be a perfect fit? Yeah. Well, we don't we don't know what his plans are. So I mean, that obviously means if they don't know whether he's planning to pitch or not, they haven't even taken the time to make a phone call uh, to him. But is there a third guy out there to go with Kashner and Tillman? Well, I don't know that. The, I, I think that there. Uh, I, I think that that. Uh, they know uh, a little more than they're. I think they know, know a little more than they're letting on. I mean, Dickey was not their. Dickey was not their first choice. No, they I never were, expected him to uh, be their first. Did, they did explore. They, as far as I know, they did explore. Um, they did explore uh, Dickey. Right. Yes, Dickey wasn't sure whether he wants to. Yep. Whether he wants to retire, but I don't know that the Orioles has huge, okay. you know, huge, huge interest in him. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but let's leave Dickey out of the equation because you know me when I get obsessive about somebody, I uh, bring it up quite often. Is there somebody out there veteran-wise that fits budget-wise, potential-wise, that rounds out this rotation? Uh, or do you think that Enoa, Wright, and Castro, that's where the number five starter will come from? Well, I think it will. I think right now, if I had to bet, uh, I would change what I've been saying all winter and say that Wright is ahead of Castro. Okay. Um, you know, Wright, Wright, you know, Wright had uh, a decent outing uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Castro uh, was supposed to pitch tomorrow, but he has uh, his tendonitis in his knees, so he's going to be out, and Inoa is going to start ahead of him. I would be kind of surprised if Inoa uh, emerged as a star, you know, okay. as a, as a star to make the team, it, unless there are a bunch of injuries, I would put another name in there. Okay. And that would be somebody that we're going to see tonight in the split squad in the, uh, uh, second half of the split squad game against Minnesota. And that's, uh, the rule five draft pick. Nope. Nestor Nestor Cortez, Cortez, who's, okay. uh, a lefty. Uh, so I would say 
that it, it, the fifth starter for the moment would come from Wright, Castro, and Cortez. Okay, fair um, enough. And then, you know, I wouldn't close the door on them getting somebody else, but I'm looking at the market right now, and other than, you know, the top three pitchers, and they don't seem to have, uh, you know, they don't seem to have been very aggressive on Jake Arrieta, obviously, or Alex Cobb or Lance Lynn. I mean, there's been talk about Lynn, yeah, but uh, you know, they they haven't uh, those guys haven't those those guys haven't signed yet. And those prices and have, you know, and which I think which I think is fascinating. But yep. I would be mildly, maybe more than mildly, surprised if they came to the Orioles. We're talking with Rich Dubroff, who covers the Orioles for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Let's move to a couple other things. Uh, I guess yesterday the one real bright spot was Chance Sisko's three-run homer. Um, What have you seen and what are you, more importantly maybe, what are you hearing about Chance's chances to both make the team and maybe even – play well enough to unseat Caleb as the, as a number one guy at some point in the season. Well, that that's, I think the hope, uh, the feeling is, I think that they would like to, unless Cisco, uh, shows that he is really ready defensively right. to play in the, uh, in the major leagues that I think that they would like to see him start at Norfolk. Okay. Uh, you know, just to get the defensive, experience because he you know he played well they tell me defensively the second half of last season at Norfolk and uh that would be my you know my guess would be that he wouldn't you know he wouldn't start there he's catching Dylan Bundy today over in Clearwater in the you know the first half of the uh split squad the game I won't see okay uh but you know Cisco's going to get an is going to get an awful long look uh, suppose Cisco is deemed not quite ready for prime time. Is Andrew Susick going to be the number two guy, or is there a possibility that there's another acquisition there in in, in well, line? Well, uh, Andrew Susick has uh, you know been slow. He had a staph infection yep. this week, and he was in the hospital. But he's out of the hospital, and he should be ready to play. I think in the next day or two, and I think that Susick would be, you know, would be the guy to be the backup. I mean, he was the guy who was acquired to be the, uh, you know, to, to be the number two catcher, to be the veteran catcher. Uh, they also have Austin wins in camp yep. who they like defensively. And I think we'll see in the major leagues, but wins has not played triple a ball yet. Right. And I think it as good defensively as he is, I think that might be a bit of a jump, but if they're, uh, but you know, there, there certainly could be, you know, a chance for wins to do it. As for getting another major league catcher, if you look at the free agent market right now in catchers, it's very, very slim. Uh, one of the interest, most interesting names out there yeah. uh, of, of the available free agents is a catcher, Jonathan Lucroy. Yeah. But he's not somebody, you know, the Orioles are, are going to go out and get. You know, it's interesting, though. You, you paint a picture where it looks like Austin wins could be boxed back into being at Bowie again, because if they want chance Cisco to get better defensively, you wouldn't drop him all the way back to Bowie. And then you wouldn't be able to have wins playing unless they tried to make him a first baseman. Part of the time you, you get my, you catch my drift. Yeah. But I, I think that he probably will be at Bowie because, yep. uh, Cisco may not be there long, you know, 
Cisco may not be there long. Yeah, I, you know? I hear you on that. Uh, or they may, you know, they may decide to, to start him. But I think that they, even if they started him in the big leagues, Caleb would probably get the, you know, the uh, the bulk of the playing time for now. So I think that that's that, that's one of the other reasons I think they'll they'll send him back to. Uh, uh, to Norfolk. Rich, uh, before we let you go, we got about two minutes. Uh, the, the Orioles had been rumored to be looking at outfielders, especially a left-handed hitting outfielder that could play a little center field. And they, I guess they found their man and it's Colby Rasmus, a veteran well, they player. They got two of them actually. Uh, they got two of them. You mean Alex Presley? Alex Presley yep. and Colby Rasmus, yep. who are both left-handed hitters who can both play all three outfield positions. So is the thought, in your opinion, that the the, the acquisition of both of those kind of spells doom for Austin Hayes making the team out of camp, correct? That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think, but if they decide that Anthony Santander right. isn't quite, you know, is, is not going to be a prospect and they send him back, then maybe they could have, you know, they could have Hayes. But my guess is that you'll see a lot of Austin Hayes this year with the Orioles, yeah. but you won't see him at on the beginning March of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes sense to me for, for a variety of reasons. And, and maybe we can just squeeze in a moment about Rasmus in a minute, but with Hayes, if he went down for the same amount of time that Santander needs to be up, which is 45 games, would the Orioles be then buying that extra year of time down the road with Hayes? I'm not sure. Yeah, I have to. You know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure because he did have he ha, he does all already have, have a, some time. Uh, yeah, uh, a month of service time. Okay, but uh, but Santander still looks. And I watched him yesterday on TV, and he got a base knock. He hit the ball hard. Uh, he looks like a hitter. You know. Well, that's what they're going to see. I mean, he's going to yeah. get a big chance to play. Yeah. In spring training, he's starting the uh, he's starting the the game against the Phillies today. Okay, one more minute on Colby Rasmus. Uh, what what do you think? Uh, it, it you know it's funny with with both Presley and Rasmus. Um, you know, you know, I kept looking at all the names all winter, and I you know saw those names, and I didn't you know they I I never for once really connected them. And then the yeah. talk about Rasmus, and they had. You know, they had uh, talked to Rasmus, Rasmus a couple of years ago before he went to the Astros. So I, I think it's certainly interesting. Uh, you know, if he's healthy, uh, he, he certainly, uh, you know, he certainly fits in. And one thing that's interesting is the Orioles have now a bunch of guys in camp who can back up Adam Jones in center field, yeah, they've, which they they've didn't have sh- before. They've made you know, that Presley a- can, Rasmus can, Joey Rickard can, yep. Craig Gentry can. So I, I think that, you know, I, I think it's almost like a no-lose proposition here, Stan. Agreed, agreed. All right, Rich, you're doing a sensational job as always. We'll look forward to talking with you. I know there are day games coming up probably the next couple Saturdays, so we won't hear from you uh, weekly. But uh, we'll talk to you, and I'll see you down there on uh, the 17th of March, all right? All right, Stan. Uh, th- thank you, and happy St. Patrick's Day in advance. All right. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. There you have it. Rich Dubroff of PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Again, ahead on the show right at about 11.05, Orioles Vice President of Baseball Operations, Dan Duquette, 
at 11.35 or thereabouts, Eno Soros of TheAthletic.com. In between the two of them is Eric Garfield, the owner of uh, Baltimore Snowball Factory. They have a concession at Ed Smith Stadium. We'll talk to him about opening day for him, Sarasota-style. But first, we're going to take a timeout, and when we get back, we'll be joined by my friend and one of the smartest guys in any room, Marty Conway, professor of sports business at Georgetown University. We'll talk to Marty after these words. Coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon, Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a -a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for guys coming soon to the owings mills metro center find out more by going to hammerandnailsgrooming.com the par excel early phase unit at harbor hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study length of participation and number of visits vary by study if you qualify you may receive compensation ranging from 1200 to 8500 dollars upon completion for more information please visit our website or call 18 Call now. Trying to feed a crowd? Order Chick-fil-A catering online from our friend Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. Hot or cold, the scrumptious platters from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square make throwing your party easy and affordable. Hot Chick-fil-A nuggets, grilled chicken, cool wraps, salad trays, and the chocolate chunk cookie tray. And Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will deliver. Place your order now. Go to Chick-fil-A.com, choose the Nottingham Square store, and get your party started. It's delicious, and your house will smell out of this world. Don't forget the Chick-fil-A surprise. Prize play of the game, reheatable bite-sized nuggets are sure to draw a crowd. And it's still cold outside, slurp up the sizzling chicken tortilla soup or the soul-cheering chicken noodle soup at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Get monumental President's Day savings right now at Jerry's Toyota. Save big at Jerry's with financing as low as 0% on over 400 new Toyotas in stock. Jerry's has unprecedented deals, like monthly payments as low as $129 a month on new Toyota RAV4s and Camrys. Plus, get huge savings on over 200 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And every new and used Toyota from Jerry's comes with their exclusive It's About You loyalty benefits. Do it. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road, just a couple blocks north of the Beltway, or online at jerrystoyota.com. All with approved credit. Sale ends 228-18. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No, no, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Our children's futures start at a very young age, and Catholic schools prepare them for that future. 
academic excellence with the belief that all students will succeed. A balanced curriculum integrating music and arts, foreign language, and Catholic faith, while challenging students in the areas of science, math, and technology. Discover the Catholic school's difference. Please visit archbalt.org schools for more information. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash impact. They're strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. And we are back on the bat around. Stan the Fan Flying Solo, Brittany Everett, the producer extraordinaire in the studios here at our press box offices. Uh, the bat around airs every Saturday morning from 10 to 12, and you can uh, watch it on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash sports. And, of course, you can listen to it at our website, pressboxonline.com slash Radio. We continue the program now after finishing up with Rich Dubroff. Joining us now <coughs> is a good friend of mine who also teaches sports business down at Georgetown University, and that is my friend Marty Conway. Marty, how are you? Hey, Stan. Good to be with you on the bat around. Is it fair to call you a professor? <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. All um, right. I, I've got a wide range of, uh, of handles, so anything goes. All right. Hey, the first thing I wanted to ask you, because I, I like to have you on to talk about different aspects of sports business, but on the bat around, we'll try and confine it to baseball business. Yesterday, yep. Major League Baseball did something uh, kind of interesting. They, they had all their teams, uh, the players were outfitted with hats that said SD, yep. which stands mm-hmm. for Stoneman Douglas, uh, the high school where the tragedy took place last Friday. What was your take? Is that a a good position to take for Major League Baseball, sort of from a a branding of what they are and sort of their social consciousness as an industry? Yeah, I well, first of all, I think it started, if I'm not mistaken, I think one of the clubs was going to do it. I don't remember if it was the Florida Club or or somebody. Uh, one I of think them. it was the Mar- I, think I think it was the Marlins were going to do it. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the Marlins, and that would have made a lot of sense because there's a lot of local residents there uh, between that club and the location of where the high school tragedy occurred. But then I think Major League Baseball took a look at this and said, hey, you know, what? why should we just, you know, we've got a certain amount of clubs in Florida, spring training and all that. Um, and so I think they saw this as an overall opportunity, and I think rightly so, which, as you mentioned, the social consciousness, but the the other thing that it shows from a baseball standpoint is rapid response. And if you know the one thing about baseball is they have had a label for better or for worse yeah. of, of really not being contemporary, right? Or not, not, like, not like the NBA or some of the other leagues in that regard. And so I think in this respect, it shows that there's a real resonance and ability to react swiftly to something that's in the national consciousness. And uh, so I think all in all, it's a good thing. I don't think there's any downside to all the clubs doing it, whether they're in Florida or just there for spring training. You know, it was what I found really interesting is when I read the piece about the Marlins doing it, it, it made it sound like 
baseball wasn't going to relax the rule that the players could play play with the hats, just that yeah. they would wear them in batting practice and then take yeah. them off. And then it was quite stunning to see all the teams having the hats on during the games. Yeah, and that's another thing that baseball had a real strict set of rules about the ability to do that on their own in, yep. in pregame, but then during the game. And again, I think it's a good thing for baseball to just kind of walk those rules back like that and, and be more socially responsible. Uh, talk a little bit about this commissioner, what you've observed from him. Look, there's no question that Bud Selig took the game of baseball from, uh, I won't call it the precipice, but his his tenure as commissioner, the, the league moved into a different stratosphere. But talk about the differences of these two men, Bud Selig and Rob Manfred, the current commissioner. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think Bud really kept the game uh, alive in that retake because it was, you know, I was with the Rangers when we canceled the World Series, and that has to be the low point of baseball other than the Black Sox scandal, I would guess. Yep. Um, and he was able to revive that and, and do things because he came from the owner's ranks. I think they trusted him on, on many issues. I think for Rob Manford, who, by the way, was elected commissioner in Baltimore, if you remember. I remember. Uh, we were there. at the meeting together, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob is much more aware, and I think the key for Rob Manford that you see is who he has surrounded himself with, and that is he has surrounded himself with many younger executives, many executives who are much more certainly aware around digital and social media. And so I think it's as much as Rob's own personality, but I also think it's who he has surrounded himself with in his senior executive roles, and I think he relies upon those people to be aware much more of what where the public is, where consumer interests are, and those sorts of things. So Bud was, Bud was separated from that. He didn't do email. He was not yeah. on the web. He, you know, he wasn't on social media for sure. And so Rob is much, has a much greater influence in a, in a good way, I think, for baseball going forward. We're talking with Marty Conway, my friend and also a professor of sports business over at Georgetown University, and we're talking about the business of baseball. Marty, this new commissioner has seemed self, uh, not self-obsessed, obsessed with this pace of play issue. And it yeah. seems like the blowback he gets from everybody is, oh, come on, the fans really don't care if a game is 252 or 301. And I don't think that's the issue either. But I, I do agree that the game needs to be moved along a little bit. I wasn't personally in favor of the clock, uh, but your take on on his obsession with time of game or pace of play? Yeah, I, I think this is something that is front and center in the media, and, and so it's a media narrative. I think you're right. The average fan sitting there doesn't know the difference between a game at two hours and fifty minutes, or a game at two fifty nine, or anything of the anything of the sort. But I think that the day to day folks who cover it and, and, and talk about this a lot have seen it drag on over time and go from an average of 238 to 240 to 250. And so that becomes a narrative. And I think Rob has been right to go right at this narrative in every possible way that he can. And I, I agree with you. I don't think a pitch clock is necessarily what the answer is, but I think he has used that as leverage to get, as a good negotiator that he, that he is in terms of his legal background, to get some of these other... Uh, pace of play initiatives in 
that are largely now run by the umpires in terms of running the game. And so it's really getting people to be more responsible, to be the umpires to be more responsible, the players to be more responsible, the managers, the catchers, et cetera, to be more responsible into moving games along because that's where they've gotten hurt is these unsupervised areas, mound visits, and other things of yep. the sort that have gotten to be too frequent and actually take time out of the game uh, as opposed to keeping it moving. I actually noticed that they did kind of put their money where their mouth is, that the the, the commercial breaks are going to be shortened, albeit, you know, in a minor way. I think 25 seconds during the regular season, that's still significant potential revenue that probably will get used in different ways. I mean, uh, uh, but but they are trying to move the game along faster from that point of view. Yeah, I, I, you and I have talked about this because I think the one area where they could absolutely do this, if I were to disagree with, with Rob Manfred in this approach, and that is, as I mentioned earlier, they seem to have gone into areas that now require somebody else to supervise this, the umpires to do this and the other thing. Right. One of the areas that they clearly could have taken time out is in the between innings between the top and the bottom. Right. Um, you watch games, I watch games, you see that by the fifth and sixth inning, a lot of those commercials are the same commercials that ran in the first, second, and third innings. The amount of time that they need between innings, I don't think is a firm number. I think mm-hmm. maybe that's 90 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it is, to run two or three commercials and to get back. Now they're at 2.05, which is going to be the regular timing. What they're saying is, at, with 25 seconds to go in that 2.05 period, they want the umpires to start that initiative, to signal to the pitcher one warm-up toss to go, they want that pitcher to throw his final warm-up toss with 20 seconds left on the clock, and they want the batter to start approaching the plate, and they want to be ready to go at 2:05. Now we'll see. We'll see. I think that's I think that's a challenge, and I think had they cut some time out in between the innings, even if it's 30 seconds, yeah, that's four minutes a game. Yeah, no question about, about it. it. That way over a nine-inning game. Uh, you know, it is interesting because there's so many ways to skin that commercial cat, and you're exactly right. The repetitiveness of commercials has always staggered me that a company in November, December, when they're cutting their commercials, won't think, you know, boy, this is going to be on Oriole baseball 162 times. Let's do three different versions of this. So fans aren't tuned out to it, uh, by May the 1st, but I, and there's a lot of different ways, visual imaging on the screen, um, throwing it in uh, this portion of the game is brought to you by Coors Light. You know, there's a million different ways to do those kind of things. Including not even going away. You remember yeah. the days of sure. Baltimore and HTS when they didn't have commercials to run, so they stayed at the ballpark in between the first out, the last out and the first out, and they would do things on a live basis. So I think the idea that there's three or four 30-second commercials is, is a throwback to the past, which I, I really don't think applies much anymore. You, You've got companies now doing six-second commercials mm-hmm. in the Olympics and the Super Bowl, and I think it's a matter of time before that comes to baseball, and it would be a good thing. Uh, one of the things uh, the commissioner did was he talked tough about this he was going to implement. He had the right to implement. At the very end, though, the negotiations really turned sour, and I thought the commissioner was smart given – the market this year and the blowback they were getting on the slow free agent market to back off a little bit and not implement the clock this year. Uh, I think we've 
bought a year respite from that. But I wanted to ask you about the overall pace of this offseason from a business standpoint. Uh, is this something that just all the clubs have gotten wise at one time? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think it really is the the notion that, look, at free agency, we're now forty over 40 years old in terms yeah. of you know, free agency. We shouldn't be thinking of free agency like 1976 or 1986. We should really be thinking about free agency in, in its 40th year. And then in parallel, what's happened is the rise of analytics and other things along the way, which essentially says that my risk-reward on taking uh, a chance on, say, for example, somebody like an, uh, you know, a, a, a Chance Cisco or somebody else versus signing a Jonathan Lucroy or whatever, all of those numbers are there now. And I think general managers and farm directors and all that have looked at this and said, the risk reward here on these players, especially over the age of 30, now is something that just doesn't make a great deal of sense for me to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that free agency has changed in that you're still going to have some of the top players get you know the outsized contracts, but I think players who are 29, 30, and 31 are going to have to rethink their plan. And this is what you and I talked about with Andrew Kashner, which is, him taking this deferral of money, I'm, I'm sure in one regard the, the Orioles wanted some deferral on it, but maybe Andrew Kashner did too because right. in two or three years around this time of the year, if he doesn't have a job in spring training... He's still he's got a million paid, dollars coming in. Yep. He's going to get $500,000 a month for three months, January, February, March, and maybe that's what he'll need to run his life at that point. No, no question. Very, very, very interesting uh, about that. Now... The, the the larger issue behind some of the, the – the, uh, there hasn't been this kind of back and forth publicly since back in the days when Richard Ravitch was handling the negotiations, the labor negotiations for the players versus either Marvin Miller or uh, Donald Fear. Um, I think we've all watched enough sports and the negotiations to know that if the top two guys don't develop a relationship – uh, their their each individual interest that they have can suffer, and I would maintain that the Manfred Tony Clark relationship appears to be almost non-existent, and almost like Manfred doesn't take him very seriously. Uh, how much jeopardy does that put the the labor piece in? Um, I, I think there's something to that. <clears throat> I think that um, certainly, I think Rob had a better relationship with Michael Weiner before he passed away a couple of years ago, right? I think because yep. they, they had negotiated, they've been the principal negotiators, you know, for 10 or 15 years for their respective heads of their organizations. So I think that relationship was in place. I think Tony Clark being a former player, um, I, you know, these relationships are on both sides. I mean, if one, if both would like to have the relationship, it can be there. But I think perhaps the Tony Clark being a former player may bring that player's perspective that which is you know you know they've seen that and actually perhaps some of the basic agreement things that they agreed to haven't worked out mm-hmm. to their benefit like they thought they were going to and so i think that's what you're seeing play out here which is that each side has looked at this and said maybe we're not especially the players maybe we're not not necessarily getting what we thought we would right. and 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 this is a reaction to that perhaps i think there's something to that because certainly 
free agency hasn't worked out for them in this collect in this new collective bargaining agreement like it did in the past. Is there any historical precedent when things are not going well for one side for the other side to say, boy, this isn't working out that well for you. Let's reopen this and come up with something that'll make you happier if for the the larger picture, or is it sort of Peter Angelos's version of once you've signed a contract, that contract is in place, there's no discussion? Well, I think in this case, unlike the NBA and the, and the NFL, who have had some where certain sides have had an option to yep. either stop it or continue, this one is a, is a long-term deal until the early 20s. And I think everybody was happy with that because it coincided with network TV deals mm-hmm. and other things. Um, so I, I do not think there's any ability to do it, nor do I think either side excuse me, would either really benefit from it mm-hmm. because I don't think the economics of the game are going to change until the next set of national contracts and other things come along that could inject more money in, and then they can have a discussion about who gets what share of that incremental money, should there be any incremental money along the way. All right, fair enough. We've got a few more minutes. I thought we'd move locally here. You know, uh, Peter Angelos has now owned the Baltimore Orioles since uh, late summer 1993 when he purchased the club with a group of investors uh, out of bankruptcy. That's seven and, by my math, seven and 17 is 24 years. This is, I believe, the 25th year of his ownership. Is that about right? I think that's about right. Yeah. And when I looked at this you know, prior to coming on, it, it surprised me, actually, that he now would become the longest-running owner of the club. We all, I think all of us have been around a while. Think of you know Jerry Huffberger and his group as yep. being the long-running owners, and should should Mr. Angelos continue to own this year and beyond, he'd be the longest-running you know owner in the history of the franchise. So so it's interesting. You know, without being critical of Mr. Angelos, um, you know they they got a terrible break that they had nothing to do with with the Freddie Gray um, situation and the riots that took place and the fear that that engendered in so much of their audience. Uh, but if you had if you had uh, a couple days where magically you were put in charge of a new ownership group or you were called by Peter and said, hey, what do I, what do I need to, to, to move the, the, the future uh, of baseball in Baltimore from a business standpoint? Do you have a couple things that you could cite that – they don't do particularly well. They're they're too old fashioned. In well, I think there's a couple of stones they could roll out of the way that I think would help them. And again, from from the philanthropy standpoint and community relations, I think they do an excellent job of mm-hmm. staying connected to the community and the money that they raise. Certainly benefits the community in many ways. I think, but on the media and digital side, they haven't moved nearly fast enough um, to be contemporary with consumers. Number one. Masson, vis-a-vis the Nationals and the Orioles, are the only two Major League Baseball teams remaining whose games on their regional sports network, Masson, are not available for streaming to consumers. So if I'm a, if I'm a customer and I have Masson on my cable system, the only way that I can watch the games is to sit down in front of my television and, and consume it that way. All the other teams in Major League Baseball with their regional sports networks have gone to a system through Major League Baseball where, in addition to watching it in your home, you can take it with you on the go, you could see it on your tablet, you could see it on your phone, as long as you were logged in through your 
you know, Comcast or whatever your right. provider is. That hurts. That that hurts. I mean, we've seen where where, really where is that where does that hurt in just pure numbers of viewers? Yeah, I think that hurts you in terms of numbers of viewers. I think it kills you with younger people mm-hmm. who don't even have cable, um, who might think about seeing this in some other way. And it suggests suddenly, you know, I think, again, we've seen how many sports now, the Olympics are going on and others, mm-hmm. where the streaming numbers are just the Super Bowl, all the major events like that. This is the way that people are increasingly consuming their sport. And so if you're not seeing it, you're not seeing the promotion, you're not seeing the games, the players, and those sorts of things. So all the other teams have gone to that, and because of the long-standing now issue between the club and Major League Baseball over the mass and dispute, right. this has harmed that ability to get that done for sure, and there's not a chance that this will happen until that dispute comes to, fun, comes to some final settlement, because the team would actually have to pay for this. They'd have to pay baseball. They'd have to pay some other people right. for this to happen. And that's not that's not going to happen until all parties have agreed here on something. Anything else that that stands out to you as something that could be changed? And then I think, as I mentioned earlier, in addition to the media, it's the it's the digital, it's the ticketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you get tickets. I know many other people that get season tickets. You can get some of your tickets on your phone, depending if you buy a game day ticket or you do whatever. But still, by and large. Most of the ticketing is done through hard tickets. Um, again, many of the other clubs have partnered with systems that allow you to do a couple things to distribute your tickets digitally. If you're in a syndicate of people who have tickets, it allows you to put additional money on your account to buy you know, food and beverage along the way. So the combination of media and, and ticketing, digital ticketing, again, goes to the point where younger people who are accustomed to living with ordering an Uber, sending money by Venmo, mm-hmm. et cetera, they just don't have that capability. And so it, it, it doesn't feel contemporary. And I think that has a lot to do with where they've gone in terms of lower season ticket numbers, putting tickets on sale late until January. I think that all contributes to some of the challenges that they face. And you've seen the attendance slide even though the team has been generally competitive mm-hmm. in the last three to five years. Hey, Marty, I know I said we'd stick to baseball, the business of baseball. Before we go, uh, I'm not aware, I'm not sure you knew this or not, but last Sat- and there have been other games on Facebook Live, but last Saturday, uh, a highly anticipated matchup between Loyola hosting Johns Hopkins University in lacrosse at Ridley was the first ever game, a lacrosse game put on Facebook live. And mm. while, while our show's on Facebook live and we may get 600 or 700 views by the time it's all over, that doesn't mean 600 people sat there and watched right. the entire bat around that, that lacrosse game had well over 200,000 views of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge number, isn't it? I think for online, again, these are not simultaneous viewers. These are people that tune in and out. Yep. In the streaming environment, it's a high frequency, but a lower total, you know, the mm-hmm. time that you spend doing it. There's no question, Stan, that we are going to see, whether it's here in this country or in Europe or somewhere, we're going to see more and more of these go to two places. Facebook Live, which through their, I think it's Facebook Watch or Stadium, whatever they're now calling that. Stadium, and I think it's Am- called, yeah. Stadium, and then Amazon Prime. Those are the two primary providers, I think, that you're going to see increasingly 
all of the leagues, whether they are major leagues or, or in this case, college universities. It makes sense for Loyola and Johns Hopkins to do that because the profile of the online user fits the lacrosse yep. crowd, which is younger and affluent in those areas. So, And you can take it with you on the go. Um, I, let's go to games this summer. You and I stand, and we'll just go out in the stands, and we'll look at who people are consuming on their phones while the baseball game is going on. I think you're going to see increasing amounts of people watching something else, doing something else with their phone while they're, while they're at Camden Yard. What's fascinating about that, and you know my friend and co-host Gary Stein, who owns Studio 83, a video company, he's starting to look into the economics of this. You know, in the past, if you wanted to do a high school basketball game or some, a game of the week or something, you still had to kind of bring in that truck to, yeah. you know, to feed the, the transmission through to get to, to people's TVs. That was normally a minimum of a twenty five to $30,000 cost. That cost now is a piece of equipment you can buy for $5,000. You own it. It seems that the economics of putting games on have changed now. Yeah, and, and Stan, those streaming boxes, devices are about the size of a small suitcase. Yeah. Um, so teams, schools, leagues are purchasing these things because you amortize that cost over five years, and then you have the ability now to essentially put... I don't think there's any question that now every company, baseball team, football team, college, university, needs to think of themselves as a media company mm-hmm. and a distribution company because they already have the content yep. and they used to have to go to somebody for the distribution, yep. like you said, and now they have the ability to be the distributor themselves yeah. and to get in that business. So it's a, it's a game in the change. middle of it. Yeah. It's a game uh, change. It's not as sophisticated as it's going to be in three to five years. Um, but there's no, there's no, nothing holding anybody back from doing it. All right. Marty Conway, always great insights. We'll talk to you down the road a little bit. All right. Okay. Have All a great right. show. Okay. Thank you. Marty Conway. Marty. Professor of sports business at Georgetown University and uh, one of the smartest guys in any room. Speaking of smart guys, I had a chance yesterday to uh, sit down over the phone. Dan Duquette was watching the Orioles host the um, Tampa Bay Rays at Ed Smith Stadium. We had a chance to chat, uh, and here, let's give a listen to it. And as promised, we're very excited to have the Vice President of Baseball Operations for the Baltimore Orioles on with us, and uh, that's Dan Duquette. And Dan, I get a chance to get you as you're watching, I think, the bottom of the first inning of the first exhibition game of the year. What is it like after uh, all the hard work you've put in so far, and I know you still got more to do, but what's it like to start to sit back and actually watch the games and assess? Well, today's opening day, and uh, we had the Army Ranger paratroopers drop in here to start it off, which is really kind of cool. But, uh, you know, it's good to be back. It's good to see the guys after the winter. And, and you know, we're still trying to build our club. Uh, we've been able to uh, add a little bit since the season's been over. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like uh, the way the guys set up the spring training. They're, they're all eager. There's a lot of players that have a lot to prove this year. And as a club, we have a lot to prove to get back into the winning column. And, uh, we, you know, we aim to do that. Dan, uh, you've made a couple pitching moves, and I, I don't think you're finished yet, but whether whether you're able to uh, get somebody else in here of note, we'll, we'll see over the next couple weeks. But talk a little bit about the two acquisitions you have made. One is a true acquisition 
in right-handed pitcher Andrew Kashner. The other is Chris Tillman, who, of course, comes back as a hope-for bounce-back candidate. Well, Andrew Kashner had a good year last year with Texas. Um, you know, before that, he pitched in the National League, but had an excellent year, probably the best year of his career. Uh, he's been a dependable, solid major league starter. And he's been able to uh, give his team innings. And last year, he had some real quality innings for the Rangers. So he's a proven winner in the American League. And his veteran presence should help stabilize our pitching staff. And then, of course, Chris Tillman, who had four good years for us, uh, re-signed with the club. And he's looking to have a bounce-back season and lead our pitching staff like he did so capably from 2012 to 2016. You know, Chris is just 29 years old and was one of the better pitchers in the league for uh, about five years. And uh, he looks good, he's healthy, and he's ready to go and lend some leadership to our pitching staff. But the addition of the two veteran guys, if they can pitch the innings like they have shown they're capable of, that'll make it a lot easier for these younger guys that are trying to break into the big league. You know, it's a, it, it, pitching the innings is really the, the big big statement there. You know, I looked it up. Uh, between Tillman, Jimenez, and Miley last year, 19 starts of six innings or more out of 77 games started. That's really, isn't that the number you need from a starter today? you got to try and get 22 out of 30 or so where they give you six innings because that means they're giving their team a chance to win that day. Yeah, exactly. You know, if if, um, if you can get uh, six innings from the starter on an average, you'll be able to piece together sometimes uh, two innings in a losing position, but three innings if you're winning. And, you know, that, that's really what we're going to be looking to get from our, uh, our pitchers. Um, we still have a strong bullpen, and even though uh, Zach Britton's not going to be with us to start the season, I like the depth of our bullpen. Uh, Brad Brock, Michael Gibbons, Darren O'Day, they're all veterans, if you will. And Brock has shown he's capable of saving games, and I think Michael Gibbons will probably get some save opportunities this year. He has uh, shown he's one of the more effective strikeout relief pitchers in the American League. And, of course, Darren O'Day's had several good years for us. So those guys should help our bullpen stabilize until we can get Britton back. And if the uh, reports on him are good, he looks good. He's running around. He's exercising. And... uh, should be back here, uh, you know, sometime around uh, hopefully the middle of June, the end of July. Dan, that, that number five starter or that fifth slot, I'm not slotting them for you, but the need for that, I, I know that the hope is that maybe Castro or uh, uh, Cortez can, can handle that role, but wouldn't the team be better if Castro was in that same exact role that he had last year? Well, uh, Castro looks good. Um, he got a lot of good experience last year, and he pitched some innings for us. I think he pitched about 70 innings last year. And he's got a good sinker, a uh, good slider, and he's developing a changeup. So he was a starter in the minors, and we tried to stretch him out last year uh, because we think long-term he could be a starter in the big league. Uh, we're going to take a look at him this spring. Um, he's a very valuable member of any uh, pitching staff. 
but he's going to get an opportunity to um, show that he's uh, very capable, uh, particularly if he can develop that third pitch he's working on. So uh-huh. he's, got, he's got the slider, he's got the uh, sinker, and he's got the change. I, I I like him. I like him on our staff. I like what he did last year, and I, you know we'll we'll find the right role for him. I'm sure. All right. One of the guys, and I'm not going to ask you too many people out there, but one guy that I've had my eye on the entire off season that I figure really fits in nicely economically, and and sort of being maybe one of the titular heads of the pitching staff is R. A. Dickey. Are you convinced that he does not want to pitch this year? If if not, does he look like he could be an interesting fit for you guys? I know it's getting kind of late in the game to decide that, but what do you think of him? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what his um, desires are for for pitching. Um, I, you know, I I forgot to mention that you asked me about Nestor Cort- yes. Cortez, and uh, he's a, he's a candidate. To be that left-handed starting pitcher, this kid that we picked up from the Yanks in the Rule Five draft, and he looks good in camp. He looks like he's a good fielder. His uh, role model is Gio Gonzalez, who he trains with year-round there down in Miami, and he's got some excellent uh, numbers with the Yanks this this, uh, this past year. Actually, his whole career uh, signed out of a high school in South Florida, same high school as Gio. So he's a candidate for that fifth start, and we could take a look at him. Um, but you know, I don't really know what R.A. Dickey's plans are. All right. Uh, of he's had a, he's had a, he's had a good career, and he's been very good against the American League East. Tell tell me a little bit about the the other Rule Five guys. We've been we've been hearing mostly about Cortez, but you drafted two other guys. One the son of Jose Mesa. And uh, that's Jose Mesa Jr. And the other is a guy named Arojo, who you took from the Cubs, right? Yeah, Arojo we uh, took from the Cubs. He looked good in the Arizona Fall League, put up some excellent numbers. And he's got a couple of good pitches. He's looked good in camp so far. We're going to get a chance to see him against some um, live uh, hitting. Uh, the big, strong kid got got all the pitches you look for. And Jose Mesa Jr.'s got some excellent breaking stuff. Looks just like his dad. Still like him. Similar delivery. Uh, he's a potential starting pitcher. Did real well. Another Yankee farmhand. Did real well with Trenton at the end of the year. We're going to get a chance to take a look at him. But both guys look pretty good. Some pretty good arms this past year available in, in the Rule 5. Hey, I know at the end of the day, because uh, I saw the movie Moneyball and I read the book, that the manager ends up deciding where people play, hopefully in concert with his general manager or vice president of baseball ops. Your, your thoughts on Machado to, to short from third base. Were you in favor of it, or would you have liked to have seen more of Tim Beckham at short to make that determination if he's the guy long-term for that position? Well, I think uh, Tim Beckham uh, showed last year when he was with us that he was a capable shortstop. Uh, I, th- I thought he did a good job consistently, and, and the numbers bear that out. He yep. played fine there, and uh, he was a good offensive shortstop as well. And the um, 
Uh, Machado, I think, in his heart of hearts, is a shortstop, and uh, he'd like the opportunity to play short. And I think that's why Buck made the ball. Okay, fair enough. Uh, two key players on this team. Uh, you know, you you didn't go out and make uh, huge splashes on the the position players uh, or DH position because you've got some high price spreads there. And two of them had really disappointing seasons last year. One was Chris Davis, and one was Mark Trumbo. Needless to say, the Orioles' chances to compete would be greatly enhanced if they reverted back to form of a couple years ago. In the case of Trumbo, the year before, the case of Davis, a couple years before. How both of them look this spring? Well, we're just getting started. Today's our first game, but you hit the nail on the head, Sam. We're going to need those guys to uh, produce like they're capable of producing, like they have in the past, for us to have a have a have a quality team. So, uh, it's a big year for those guys. They're down here working hard, and uh, we we uh, look forward to them contributing. We're talking with Dan Duquette. Just a couple more questions, Dan, before we let you get back to your uh, ball game there in Sarasota. Uh, the catching situation. Caleb Joseph is an experienced catcher, uh, not ideal number one guy, but he looks like he'll start the season as perhaps the number one guy. Give me your assessment of what you've seen with Chance Cisco um, from the time you've seen him in the in an Oriole uniform. Do you think he's the guy that can long term be that guy to take over that position? Yeah, absolutely. He, he profiles uh, as a uh, good catcher. He's made. Good improvements with his defense. Got an excellent bat, and I think he's going to have power too. Hey, but, so I think um, I think he's got all the tools, and um, you know, if given the opportunity, I'm sure he can do a good job. Caleb handles the pitches really well. No question about and, that. No and, question uh, about I, that. I got to get going, Stan. It's been good talking to you. All right, Danny. We appreciate it. Right. Thanks for the time. Okay. Thanks a lot. All, all right. right. There you have Dan Duquette. Uh, interesting comments there. Wanted to get a couple comments in on Colby Rasmus and wanted to get a couple comments in on Scope and the possibility of signing him long-term. But interesting, uh, you know, assessment. It looks like the Orioles still have uh, some work to do down there. It looks like that work is now in finding a number five starter or a number three, four or five starter, but somebody that rounds out that rotation. You can hear from Dan Duquette, he, he, they like Castro long-term as a starting pitcher, but he likes him on his staff, and he liked the work that he did last year. And who wouldn't like that work out of the bullpen? And I think this is the perfect season for Miguel Castro, who has floundered a little bit at the major league level before arriving in Baltimore last season. Uh, this is the perfect season for him to really get his feet on the ground and prove that he, to himself and to a team that he's a major league caliber pitcher. And to me, that role is pitching maybe 85, 90 innings in relief, an occasional spot start. But putting the pressure of making him a starter this year, I don't think is the right move. I've been pushing R.A. Dickey to everybody, and uh, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen because it doesn't sound like they've even investigated enough to know what R.A. Dickey is uh, heart is in his heart and mind, but uh, we won't put that to bed. Clearly, these Rule 5 guys may factor in here, and the Orioles like the rest of what they've got in terms of the bullpen, of course, with Givens, Brock, and O'Day, and Blyer. Uh, but they'll need to round out that bullpen to keep it strong. 
No talk of uh, Austin Hayes today. We didn't get into that. But we did have a nice conversation with Dan Duquette. Um, One of the key things I think we took from that is that Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo have to get back to being what they were uh, in the case of Trumbo in 16, in the case of Davis, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Uh, They've got to get more production out of them if there's any hope for this team to really compete. As far as getting Dan's thoughts on Beckham at short versus Machado, I was glad to hear personally that he saw the same thing I saw, that Beckham was adequate, if not a little better than adequate at short. There are some problems, but he uh, sort of uh, gave gave his manager the leeway to make that decision that in his heart of hearts, Manny Machado thinks he's a shortstop. He asked for the right to play that position, and Buck, at the end of the day, I don't think it's anything like he thinks that this is going to warm up Manny Machado to re-sign with the Orioles. I think Buck Buck Showalter is doing it for one reason and one reason only. He thinks that Machado will uplift his game a little bit and give the Orioles more of what he's capable of giving them all throughout it. So uh, we'll try and get Dan on again uh, either during spring training or maybe uh, the first couple weeks of the regular season. There you have our interview with Dan Duquette. We'll be back with more of the show right after this. Coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon, Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a -a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for guys coming soon to the Owings Mills Metro Center. Find out more by going to hammerandnailsgrooming.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Our children's futures start at a very young age, and Catholic schools prepare them for that future. Academic excellence with the belief that all students will succeed. A balanced curriculum integrating music and arts, foreign language, and Catholic faith, while challenging students in the areas of science, math, and technology. Discover the Catholic school's difference. Please visit archbalt.org slash schools for more information. Covering the Orioles the only way we know how, as fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. All right, this week on Section 336, the Orioles signed two pitchers in the past week, so we talk about that, and we look at what else the Orioles need to do. Plus, we get ready for our curling match this week about with Glenn Clark Radio. All this and more at Section336.com, iTunes, and PressBoxOnline.com. 
What we do with our lives defines us, so consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash impact. There's strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Get monumental President's Day savings right now at Jerry's Toyota. Save big at Jerry's with financing as low as 0% on over 400 new Toyotas in stock. Jerry's has unprecedented deals, like monthly payments as low as $129 a month on new Toyota RAV4s and Camrys. Plus, get huge savings on over 200 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And Every new and used Toyota from Jerry's comes with their exclusive It's About You loyalty benefits. Do it. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road, just a couple blocks north of the Beltway, or online at jerrystoyota.com. All with approved credit. Sale ends 228-18. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts. So it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. You're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins. He Terp. Every week, we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. And we're back on the battle round. You know, uh, normally I try and get this next guest of ours on prior to the first uh, Orioles home spring training game of the season. He's a good friend. He's a Baltimorean, but he lives in Sarasota. He's the proprietor and owner of the Baltimore Snowball Factory with a concession stand in Ed Smith Stadium. That's Eric Garfield. Eric, how are you? I'm doing good, Stan. Happy Saturday. How are you? I'm I'm doing super. Probably not quite as super as you. What's the weather like down in Tampa, uh, Sarasota today? Uh, it's about 80. Probably will get as high as 84 this afternoon. Mm. So that's that's pretty nice. It's definitely uh, snowball weather for sure. No question about the fact that it's <laughs> snowball weather. Hey, uh, I normally try and remember you right before the first game of the season because uh, there's not it's not 80 games you got about 12 or 14 games uh how did business go yesterday on uh, opening day at ed smith stadium it was moderately attended but it was also warm so for the amount of people there which wasn't that many you know it's a friday afternoon i think i did pretty well it was a good uh, opportunity for me to practice Tonight will be different. There will be uh, a lot of kids. It's uh, it's a Saturday game, so uh, I'm expecting for the lines to be pretty long. Now, it's unusual, though. They normally play, like, one night game a spring. I think they're playing two or three this spring, correct? I think it is three. It's, it's all right. You know, the Orioles have reasons for making their schedules, whatever it is. Uh, Little League teams use the fields also, so... I'm happy for for any opportunity. I've got a lot of customers and a lot of Baltimore people here, so 
I, I you know, I'll, I'll sell no matter what time the game starts. Now we've become friends over the the past four years or so since Absolutely. you started the stand. Do you have a lot of repeat business of um, because we read about the amazing economic uh, impact uh, the Orioles in Sarasota is, and we know tons of people that go down there now on a year-round basis, but especially during spring training. Do you have people you know by first name now? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy that, that we became friends. I've been listening to you for years, so I think that's really cool. But now that I'm in my, my third year here, it's not just repeat Sarasotans. It's repeat Baltimore visitors yeah. to Bradenton or to Sarasota. So that's a big deal for me. You know, it's, it's people that support the team. They support my business. They love the orange and black. And for someone in my position, uh, you know, snowballs are a big deal. And when people tell me that mine are as good as the ones they get at their local stand at home or maybe even better, that's, that's really a big deal. That means that I'm doing something right and I'm positioned in the right place with the Orioles. So I really appreciate that also. Uh, you know, just hit me. I've never asked you this before. There's only about, what, 10, 11 miles between Ed Smith Stadium and Bradenton. Have you ever reached out? I know that you probably hate the Steelers and hate the Pirates, but have you ever thought of reaching out to the, to Bradenton to see if you could do the same thing there? Uh, well, this might surprise you. I don't hate the Steelers. I never have. I don't hate uh, the Pirates. I actually like both Good. of them. Good. And I will say that uh, I did try that and it's a great idea. Uh, I got in or I made my request a little bit late. There's somebody similar. Okay. Uh, he's a, a pirates fan and he kind of has his own company okay. and he does ice cream for, uh, Bradenton and it's actually delicious, but I don't uh, doubt I that it's delicious. People yeah. were really nice to me. All right. Well, maybe it can be revisited at some point in time. What's the most popular? We're talking with Eric Garfield, owner of Baltimore Snowball Factory, uh, among the many things he does with his company down in Sarasota. He is the concessionaire for uh, snowballs at Ed Smith Stadium. What's the favorite overall flavor from from Baltimore folks? Is it chocolate? No, it's unquestionably egg custard. Probably, uh, probably go through. Uh five or six more gallons in a spring of egg custard than, than anything else. And that's, there's, there's only a handful of games. So that's really significant. That's amazing. Cause I, I've never been, I always loved the name egg custard, but I never really, I'm, I'm sure I've I tasted, know. I'm sure I've tasted it, but my you two, have. my two flavors of choice were spearmint and, and grape and grape. Yes. I know. Grape is my favorite. I love grape. Yeah, I memorized the, if you're a good customer, I memorized your flavor, but to be honest, Stan, it's that sweet vanilla blend. A lot of people get, yeah. get marshmallow, you know, it gets gooey in the middle and liquidy at the bottom. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a Baltimore thing. It doesn't I, have to make sense. It's just good. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> hey, um, I met your dog, I think. Now, would I have met him in 16 or 17? Uh, Did you have him in him 16? 2017. All right. So you got Scooter. He's a very big, lovable German Shepherd. Uh, yes, are you able to bring him into the, the park at the concession stand? 
I am not. That's probably against uh, many health code violations. Okay. It doesn't stop me from asking, but the answer is always no. All He's right. not allowed uh, in when I set up or when I break down my equipment or when I have to drop off a gallon. The, the, the staff all knows him and they all ask about him, but uh, we play in the, uh, the grass parking lot across the street. That's about as close as we can get. He loves the Orioles, but you know, he, he's respectful <laughs> of the rules. Yeah, but you got to get him. He's got to be your, uh, what's it called? The, um, not a guard dog. The, um, you know, the, um, the thing when you can travel with a dog, he's called a service dog, a service dog. You, you, my, you have, you have to get a doctor to write that you haven't, you need a service dog. Perhaps when he's older, but I can tell you there's times when he does come with me in the in the truck, and there's neighborhoods that that know him. Yeah, a lot of dog people come, and he's very friendly, and they really love him. So he's he's making progress towards that. Maybe one day he'll be my employee. All right, one other business question, because yeah, service dog. Literally, he could save you money. You could train him how to to grind the ice or something like that. You know. Well, it's, it's, he, he is that smart, so I'll think about it. I appreciate the suggestion. Well, he's, a, right he's, now. he's an adorable dog, uh, Scooter. Uh, Thank but you. let me ask you one other business question. So you got to stand there. I know earlier in your career down there in the snowball business, you actually had a storefront, but now you're emphasizing much more events? Absolutely. Now that I have a truck, uh, I can say yes to a lot of people, uh, and I can be in a lot of different places, sometimes in the same day. Uh, when I had the store, I was kind of locked into yep. one location, yep. and it was pretty difficult. So the flexibility that I have now, it's kind of what I was looking for when I moved from, uh, from Baltimore to here. So I guess uh, I would call that progress also. But you know, it has it has it up it has its ups and downs, just like having the storefront did also. But uh, I think this is uh, probably something that's going to be easier to get used to long term. No question about it. So tell me why you love Sarasota so much, Eric Garfield. We can start with the weather. Yeah. Uh, the wintertime weather is, uh, I guess, the high sixties. So uh, that's. Uh, certainly more appealing than dealing with winter back at home as much as I kind of like it. Uh, the people are very nice. It's kind of a, a vacation mindset. Mm -hmm. so a lot of people are less stressed and more in the mood to relax. Uh, for me specifically, my business has definitely been embraced. There's a lot of schools, a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of communities, camps, churches, little leagues that are uh, very open to uh, a snowball truck or something like that to enhance their events. So they've been very welcoming to me. And it's just a nice place. Yeah. There's a lot of natural beauty. There's lakes, there's woods, there's parks for me and Scooter to explore. And I guess I would say the, the families and the kids are really the, the really the best part. The fact that they've welcomed me really, really means a lot. All right. I know you're a knowledgeable and passionate Orioles fan. What's the, what's your prognosis for the team? Uh, gosh, you know, I kind of feel like they have a little bit of Gary Williams-itis. And when they're counted out, they play a little bit mm -hmm. better than expected. Interesting. So yeah. Everybody's doubting them this year. Everybody's calling for 70 to 72 wins. 
So I wouldn't be shocked, and you know, I'm most certainly biased. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they finished uh, a little bit higher, maybe 500 or a few games over. And who knows, if they catch a hot streak before July, maybe trade for a late-season performer instead of trading one away. All right, there you so, have it. There you have it, Eric Garfield. He's putting something in that uh, snowball mix that is making <laughs> him see some positive things. I like the positivity. Uh, yeah, and you are right. So you are right that they have a little bit of that. And it probably comes from Buck Showalter being the kind of leader Gary Williams was. Uh, I like where, that. Yeah. yeah, back against the wall type of thing. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for joining us. Have a big night tonight out there at Ed Smith Stadium. Thank you, Stan, and I will see you, uh, yeah, whenever you get here. Late it'll be, in, uh, two, late it'll be three weeks from the day. I'll be there on the 17th. All right. I'll have uh, a gallon of grape ready for you. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. See you there. then. Thanks, okay. Stan. Okay, there you have it. Our guy, Eric Garfield of Baltimore Snowball Factory. Again, used to work in the sports field in this town. He was a uh, – uh, producer for Sportsline over on WBAL Radio. We've become good buds, and I appreciate him coming on each year. Um, when I'm a subscriber, I don't subscribe to an awful lot because, my God, the price. Like For a while, I was subscribing to the Boston Globe, and then I noticed it was fourteen ninety five, and I thought that that was for like three months, and I started noticing on my credit card I hadn't read it real good, it was $15 a month. Uh, I'm now a subscriber to theathletic.com. And by the way, I do love the Boston Globe sports section, but I just have to parcel out my Nick Cafardo columns and uh, read a lot less of the product uh, because $15 a month, uh, while they may need that to pay their folks, I can't afford $15 a month to read one uh website for a newspaper in this country. But the athletic.com uh, comes in at a nice price point, uh, at least it has initially. They've got a bang-up staff. One of the staff members is somebody who wrote for Fangraphs for a long time. His name is Eno Saras. We talked to him about the Orioles, the Cashner signing, Tillman signing, the Rasmus signing. Let's hear it now. And joining us right now from theathletic.com is Eno Saras. And Eno, uh, read your piece recently about the Andrew Kashner signing and a little bit about his uh, how he hasn't quite lived up to that big fastball. But before we talk about that, I wanted to talk to you about The Athletic, uh, the website, theathletic.com, creating an incredible roster of all sports writers, but baseball got some of the best tell us a little bit of how you came to theathletic.com yeah i was uh one of the lead writers over at fangraphs for a long time and one thing that i just really found exciting about what the athletic is doing and why i wanted to join up was the quality of local writing um that you mentioned that they're getting they're really getting some of the best beat writers in every in every city and that's exciting to me because it's an opportunity, I think, for synergy and for collaboration between the national side, me, Ken Rosenthal, uh, Jason Stark, uh, Jim Bowden, and then also we have the resources of all these really great writers, uh, you know, in, in all the clubhouses uh, around the country that we can work with. So I've already been working with guys like Mark Carrick, who covers the Mets and Yankees, um, and uh, Trent Rosencrantz, who does the, who does the, the Reds. The Reds. So, I, you know, I've been working with a lot of these guys. 
they ask me numbers questions. I ask them things about uh, their players and get quotes, help them, have them help me get quotes. So it's been really uh, a great collaboration process already, and I can't wait as we sort of mature as a, as a baseball coverage to see where it goes. As this, as the athletic.com unfolds, have you found management to be entirely upfront and transparent? In other words, was this the game plan they laid out for you when, when they brought you in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that as a startup, there's definitely, um, some figuring out process as, uh, because we're hiring every day, <laughs> it seems like. So uh, there is a little bit of, you know, figuring out the structures and, and how that works. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they, they just really want to have the best content out there. And they want, uh, they want to provide really great content without pop-up ads and without sort of the, the stuff that can make reading stuff online just really, you know, not fun. So we're trying to make it easy and fun. Uh, and provide value for for people uh, paying for the subscription service. Well, so far you check uh, you guys check all the boxes. It really is a, it, it is an enjoyable read after reading so much stuff online where you do you get interfered with with videos cropping up that you don't want and pop up ads. It's it's really a nice environment. I wanted to ask you a question again before we start talking about a couple of Oriole specifics. Um, I'm a 66-year-old guy. I've been doing talk radio for 30-plus years. Uh, baseball is one of my passions. I've found the the analytics that have crept into the game and seem to be taking it over. I'm not against them. I'm just finding it hard for me to grab my arms around them and understand them. Does that make sense for you? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I think that that uh, is something that, people that use analytics just need to get better at. And it's something that we will get better at and something that I try to uh, make sure that I'm, I'm improving at it. The the problem is that we need to tell stories and we need to tell stories in ways that are understandable and, uh, and use language that's understandable. We don't need to, um, you know, we don't need to make it all super hard to understand. So, well, um, I'm, I'm, I, I more down, times, I'm, I'm more yeah. down on myself than you. In other words, I'm saying I have a hard time grasping the vocabulary of it. Your, your stories are fine. It's sort of understanding when you go to technical terms. Is there a way for somebody my age to get a, a handbook on those things where I can look them up when I read it? <laughs> There's a... One of the things that can help is the glossary at Fangraphs. There's a glossary of terms. Um, and okay. That can be something that can help. Uh, but I also think on my end, it's it's good for me to make sure that anytime I introduce a term to uh, at least give a sort of short introduction. A lot of times what I'll do is give links um, to other stuff so that if people want to read further, they can read further and other people that are sort of up to date on it can can breathe by that. All right. Well, I, f- I find it. I find the whole analytics thing. I know it's where the game is going, and I know I need to do a better job at understanding of it. And I'm going to be working on it, uh, even though I'm creeping up there in years. Hey, I did want to get to the Cashner article, and I found it interesting there uh, because you wrote a piece that's essentially about the fact that he hasn't lived up his results, don't live up to the fastball. And you do some numbers breakdowns, but I thought what was really interesting is you don't just use the numbers. You get into some actual real scouting to back up your numbers by showing video of how he releases the ball. 
Yeah, I, you know, that's another thing that people can do to, to try and explain terms. And I think that yeah. it's useful to have people see it. I mean, when I say that Andrew Kashner's fastball plays down uh, because of the way that he releases it, and, and I say things like effective velocity and, and, uh, and extension, you know, those can kind of be like, well, what's he talking about? Well, then you see in the video that his stride is really short mm-hmm. and that he's nothing like a Tim Lincecum or a Trevor Bauer who get out there and really do these really long strides, what happens then is that that means that Kashner is releasing the ball closer to the mound, and guys like Tim Lincecum and Trevor Bauer are releasing the ball closer to the plate. And you can understand that that sure. gives you less reaction time, uh, makes the ball sort of jump at you. Well, one of the most interesting things is, is so you, you break that down. You're not suggesting that Andrew Kashner should suddenly work on creating a stride that gets him closer. You're just breaking it down and saying this is what he does, correct? Are you a believer that he could change at this point at 31, 32 years of age? I think it probably would be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, he's found a certain amount of success in the major leagues and then also um, you know, messing with the mechanics on that level. It's something I'd rather do with a younger kid. I feel like that, um, you know, rather than do it with someone that's older, it might put stress on some other part of his body and, and uh, make the elbow or the shoulder go or something. Uh, but, you know, being aware of something like this, I think can still help a pitcher because, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you think, wow, man, I'm throwing 94, but they're, they're squaring it up, what's going on? Uh, what you then can do is adjust to where you're throwing the ball. Uh, you need to just adjust your command. You can adjust what counts you throw the fastball in. Instead of throwing the fastball always in fastball counts, sort of surprise them by throwing the fastball when they're expecting a slider. You know, doing certain things to play around uh, with your fastball because you understand your uh, arsenal better. You know, with the Kashner contract, I found one of the most interesting things, uh, and we're talking with Eno Saris of uh, uh, theathletic.com, and we're talking about this Andrew Kashner contract, is they're paying him only $5 million this year and $3 million deferred uh, in 2020, 2021, and twenty two. He gets a million dollars a year from that. Is that typical today to, to, to defer money? In such a small contract, I understand the concept when the Mets signed Bobby Bonilla 20 years ago or the Orioles signed Chris Davis two and a half years ago. But, boy, that seemed odd to me. Yeah. Um, I think that probably on the agent side, they, they prefer not to to have a deal like that because, it's, uh, you know, money in future years is worth less than money right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that the team is happy to do that. Uh, but uh, maybe Kashner wasn't looking at a ton of deals uh, even after a good ERA because the stuff under the hood didn't look as good, didn't have a great strikeout rate, didn't have a great walk rate, didn't have a great ground ball rate. So in some ways, I would have rather have maybe signed Jaime Garcia, who uh, you know is oft injured uh, but has been a little bit better pitcher while he's been on the bump, um, and he didn't cost a lot more. But I'm also not aware exactly of how much you know Baltimore has to spend and uh, how much they want to spend. Yeah, it was interesting. I, f- I find the, the this contract, when you, you sum it up in its totality, though, you know, the, the uh, incentives he's got uh, the, with the third year kicking in, if he reaches an amount of innings in two previous seasons that he's never even really come within 30 innings of. So it seems like a little pie in the sky on the incentive side of things. 
Yeah, well, you know, they put in they put in some weird things in the past, like MVP awards for relievers right. and stuff. So, you know, uh, some of that stuff is just, uh, yeah, just a what if. All right. I, I think that it's most likely that um, Kashner basically signed, you know, like a one year deal uh, to to help them uh, to help them move back into the rotation. What What do you overall? What do you think of the contract that the Orioles got Kashner on? Like I said, I'd rather have Jaime Garcia. Yep. But uh, you know, it's hard to fill in a rotation. They seem to be wanting to doing it on the on the cheap. Um, you know, it's, they're not necessarily going to go out there and sign Jake Arrieta. Uh, I think that he can probably be a, a back end pitcher, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm not too too excited about the signing. All right, Chris Tillman. The Orioles got him on a one year deal. The dollars kind of speak to the to what was what he was last year. He gets a three million dollar guarantee and seven million dollars in incentive. How do you judge a bounce back candidate when you know that something was wrong with him? You can't know it's right again until you start to see results. Correct? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be results, as in necessarily play on the field but i think early in spring you can start to see he really lost his release point yeah and he and it really matters for him because he's got that big over the top curveball uh and a rising fastball he really needs to be sort of over the top and as he lost that and and sort of drifted downward maybe because he was hurting uh maybe for whatever reason trying to get more movement on the fastball as he did that he lost his main weapons um, so they really will be watching that release point, trying to get him back up on top again. Hopefully he feels good. In some ways, I like that contract better because, you know, it is all about the health. Yeah. If he's got the health, then they can actually uh, get, you know, a lot more out of him. He'll be, uh, he could be a good pitcher again. I mean, it's, it's really just about the health of his body. Uh, I want to talk to you about Colby Rasmus, and we've just got a few more minutes, but I did want to get one more opinion from you on a pitcher. I've been writing and preaching on the radio that I think that the perfect guy to round out the O's rotation, and again, I'm not looking at a Hugh Darvish or Jake Arrieta here, but I'm thinking with what the Orioles' strengths are, if they can send a starter out who can give a team six innings pretty much every time, they've got something. And I look at 43-year-old knuckleballing R.A. Dickey and I can't understand with Buck's relationship with him back in Texas why this hasn't been a perfect fit. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great one, um, and it, it actually I think it would fit almost better than Cashner, who's had all these injury issues in the past. You know, Baltimore's sort of built to to win six to five. You know, yep. And uh, and Dickey can get out there and and give you three or four runs in six innings. So. Um, you know, and then get it over to that great bullpen. I mean, that's sort of how they've been built in the past, and I think Dickey would really fill in with that. Yeah, last eight years he's averaged over 203 innings a year. Not an injury-prone guy. Last year threw 190 innings and had 20 out of uh, – was it 20 out of 28 starts or 22 out of 30 starts were six innings or more. So makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Uh, he tells me he throws at seventy five percent effort, so he yep. can even throw in between if you if you had a short day. Yeah. Anyway, they they made one addition here. They were after Jared Dyson, who got a what I think is a really nice club friendly contract in in Arizona. Two years, seven point five million. 
Orioles went a different route and go for a guy who sort of hung it up midseason last year because of injuries. Your thoughts on Colby Erasmus? He's a decent player. Um, you know, I don't. You don't sound excited, Ina. No, no. I mean, it, it's it's a it's he's thirty one, so he's. He, I don't think it's over yet for him, yeah. and um, he's never going to be a star. But he and he strikes out too much. But in the good years, he he takes his walks and he hits for a lot of power. So I think he could he could be a decent player for them. Um, maybe be even a league average guy if the health if he's healthy. So that's something that they needed. Yep. Um, and I and I don't think that um, I don't think that they cost it doesn't cost them much. So I I actually like that deal. It was, I think it was a good depth signing, and um, you know they don't have to rely on their prospects to come up right away in the outfield. When I booked you to come on, you and I were dealing with emails, and I I sent you an email with some numbers, uh, and I did not know that on on uh, BaseballReference.com they broke this down in the splits. They actually have a player, every player's, his record in wins, you know, his batting average on base percentage in wins and losses, and they break it down. And I found it funny with Rasmus, he's played in 542 wins and 532 losses, so it's almost like the right hand and the left hand. Anyway, batting average 281 uh, when they win, 201 when they lose on base percentage is where, where did I write down 353 when they win 266 when they lose the numbers go on and speak to that is that the case with all ball players that they play much better in wins it's um, I think part of it is yeah, yeah for sure I think part of it is they were part of why the team won and okay. part of why the team lost so um, that's that's what you why you find that Um you know, I've got the numbers overall for last year. Winners, uh, batters in, in, in winning games had an 871 OPS, and in losses they had a 624 OPS. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's your that's your average split right there, and that's um, you know 676 OPS. That's that's you know 624 OPS. That's a pretty bad OPS. That's that's um, not a great player. So that's what that's what happens. You get your team gets shut down. Everyone looks bad in that in that loss. So hey, an old. Um, I, an old friend of mine was one of the first analytic guys I knew of in baseball. Do you remember Eddie Epstein? Do you, did you know Eddie? I did not know him, but I know I, I know of him. He taught me one thing, and you watch the, the strikeouts-to-walk ratio. And when you see somebody that's bad at that, unless they start to improve it in the minor leagues or very early in a major league career, they never seem to improve that. And I looked at Rasmus's numbers last year where he had nine home runs and seven doubles in very limited play, but the strikeouts were still 45-7. to seven. He's never been able to keep away from striking out too many times. He was right. Um, walk rate and, and strikeout rate only improve until you're about 26 years old yeah. uh, on average, and then they, they definitely get worse. And I, and I personally... Uh, I, even though a strikeout is an out, just like any other, especially late in the games and in clutch situations, I'd rather have the guy who puts the ball in play. And I think the numbers bear that out. We have a clutch stat uh, on Fangraphs. So they have a clutch stat on Fangraphs, and he's been uh, Grasmus has been a negative in every year yep. except for his rookie season. Not surprising. So, not surprising. Not necessarily the most clutch guy. And if you think about like game on the line, would you rather? Pitch to a guy like Freddie Sanchez, uh, the old 70s 
second baseman that put the ball in play, Marco Scudero, those kind of guys, yeah. or would you rather pitch to Adam Dunn? And I think you'd rather pitch to Adam Dunn, even though he could take the ball deep. What you really need is no balls in play. And yep. Adam Dunn struck out a lot more. All right. Well, one thing is you always hit the numbers. Eno Saras, now of theathletic.com. Really appreciate the time, Eno. Very insightful. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll be back with more of the Bat Around right after these words. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com slash impact. There's strong, then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call one 617 817 Trying to feed a crowd? Order Chick-fil-A catering online from our friend Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. Hot or cold, the scrumptious platters from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square make throwing your party easy and affordable. Hot Chick-fil-A nuggets, grilled chicken, cool wraps, salad trays, and the chocolate chunk cookie tray. And Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will deliver. Place your order now. Go to Chick-fil-A.com, choose the Nottingham Square store, and get your party started. It's delicious, and your house will smell out of this world. Don't forget the Chick-fil-A surprise play of the game. Reheatable, bite-sized nuggets are sure to draw a crowd. And it's still cold outside. Slurp up the sizzling chicken tortilla soup or the soul-cheering chicken noodle soup at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Hear the latest in high school sports news with High School Sports Line, powered by County Sports Zone. Each week, Glenn Clark and Wick Eisenberg will bring you the scores from around Maryland, games to watch, and discuss the latest high school sports news on High School Sports Line. What an amazing season for Coach Tim Palmer, who joins us now here on High School Sports Line. My motivation is to build character and build quality young men who want to play this game properly. Listen anytime at mdnewsnetwork.net. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, video-wise, 
I'm gonna need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. And a reminder that in addition to Glenn Clark, Monday through Friday and the bat around on Saturday, all from 10 to 12, tomorrow, Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard, the fantasy and reality show, uh, which is essentially an all-things football show. But don't tell them you're going to talk about soccer or they're going to talk about soccer because Sarita says they don't do that. Hey, there's still one more uh, weekend, or actually a couple days left of the Maryland RV show for you to enjoy. That's today and tomorrow at the Maryland State Fairgrounds in Timonium. Today, 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. and Sunday, 10 to 6. See all the latest in the world of recreational vehicles at the Maryland RV show. Plus, you can take $2 off admission and you get in for just 8 if you purchase your tickets in advance at mdrv.com. And again, today, up until 8 o'clock tonight and tomorrow from 10 to 6, and then it's gone again out at Timonium Fairgrounds. All right, uh, Brittany, I think we've done our thing. Yeah, we did it. We did it well. We did do it well? Yeah. All right. want to thank Rich Dubroff of PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com, Our friend Marty Conway, who's a professor of uh, sports business at Georgetown University. Dan Duquette, vice president of uh, baseball ops for the Baltimore Orioles. And, of course, Eno Saras of TheAthletic.com. And my favorite guest, Eric Garfield, who's selling snowballs tonight at Ed Smith Stadium with his Baltimore Snowball Factory. Hey, have a great week, and we'll see you next Saturday right here, same time, same channel. And don't forget, Inside Press Box tomorrow, WMAR-TV on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.